Starting in the late 1950s, Vacheslav Mischarin and his orchestra of electro-musical instruments brought new sounds to Soviet music. A worker at state radio, Mischarin was intrigued by the musical applications of advances in electrical science. So he and his cohort slapped pickups and microphones on traditional accordions, violins, and Russian balalaikas, and pioneered new instruments such as the early Soviet synthesizer, the Ekvadin 10. Borrowing from ethnic folk melodies, communist propaganda, and orchestral kitsch, the group, says Russian pop music historian Artyom Troitsky, created the soundtrack for a generation of Soviet swingers, music that was both quirky and inescapable. Each person who was privileged to live in the Soviet Union in the 60s and the 70s, they've got Michelin's music like soaked by their skin because it was everywhere. It was all the jingles on the radio, it was all the kind of phonovoy music, the ambience music on TV, it was all the music at convention halls and so on. I mean, it was, it was everywhere. But not always. Mischarin's orchestra began unknown and underground, practicing late at night and before work in the mornings. And things might have continued that way had it not been for something called the Soviet Sputnik. The year was 1959, and the Kremlin wanted their satellite to broadcast into the cosmos a stirring rendition of the socialist hymn, The International. So they approached Mischarin. And to make their point persuasive, Mischarin's widow Luba says the authorities sent the KGB to convey the request and take her husband to headquarters. One day they stopped by work and said, you're coming with us to Lubyanka. And he thought, why? And he wasn't too happy about it because there's only one reason you go to Lubyanka. But when they got there, they just wanted him to play the Internationale to be broadcast from a Sputnik. So he did. The reward? Official permission to perform. The band was off and running. Initial reviews weren't kind, however. One critic famously lampooned the group's irregular instrumentation, writing, Mischarin turns on an iron, and out comes Tchaikovsky's first symphony. Undaunted, the group scored an early hit with an Estonian folk tune given the Marxist treatment, 1961's Irresistible, On the Collective Poultry Farm. cultivated friends in high places, and soon even top composers like Dmitry Shostakovich began offering material. But the band's reputation was for playing a kind of interstellar music, and the orchestra was a favorite among Soviet cosmonauts like Yuri Gagarin and Alexei Leonov. According to Luba Mischerina, these early space explorers returned from missions endorsing her husband's music as the nearest thing to the real thing. Вообще, космонавты очень дружили с коллективом с этим. 
The cosmonauts were all close to the band, I think because space produced in them a new set of emotions, a new set of colors that they felt there, up in the sky. After that, maybe simple earthbound music just wasn't enough for them. Sighted Baikonur in Kazakhstan would become a long-running gig in the ensuing decades, but the Mesherin Orchestra brought a Stakhanovite work ethic to touring in general, as they hit small towns and factories, farms and military outposts throughout the Soviet Empire. They were the consummate professionals, with all 13 members forever dressed in trademark formal wear. But, says Luba Mesherina, unlike traditional big orchestras, her husband's group carried the banner of culture beyond the cities to the farthest flung reaches of the proletariat. He tried to make instruments that were light, easy to carry, and that could work under any conditions. He always said, we should be as strong as our instruments. And for some 30-plus years, they were. Sharon and his portable orchestra played the theater halls of Eastern Europe nuclear submarines off of Vladivostok, even remote outposts in the Arctic. They also entertained troops, Soviet troops, that is, in the deserts of Afghanistan. With a seemingly endless repertoire, this little state-sponsored orchestra had a tune for every occasion, with one exception. The end of the state. When the Soviet Union opened up to the world in the late 1980s, Mesherin's brand of kitschy pop suddenly sounded anachronistic, too Soviet for ears perched now westward. Worse still, says Luba Mesherina, the band's own musicians wanted a change. They started saying, Vyacheslav, why don't we play rock? Everyone's playing rock. And he'd say, well, I like rock too, but you need to know how to play it well and play it in your own style. And if we play just like all the other rock groups, nobody's going to need this orchestra. In 1990, Vacheslav Mesherin disbanded his orchestra. He died just five years later, a footnote of Soviet cultural history largely forgotten until now. For this CD, called Easy USSR and released on the Russian Light label, the producers called the stacks of the old Soviet Sound Recording Museum in Moscow, unearthing an archive of more than 1,000 tracks. With some 60 hours of material expected in forthcoming releases, Russian pop music historian Artyom Troitsky says Mesherin's music should dispel any lingering stereotypes of the Soviet Union as that cold, gray, industrial country you maybe thought you knew. It probably was like this in the 30s and the 40s, but since uh, the fall of Stalin's regime, Soviet Union was a swinging country, and we did have a lot of fun, and we did dance twist in the beginning of the 60s. And I think that the music of the Mesherian Ensemble 
would make a perfect, perfect soundtrack for this long gone swinging USSR. Check your Cold War ideologies at the door. Behind this curtain they salt margaritas, not treaties. Hand out Cubanos instead of missile crises. And here, forget Khrushchev. The only one who really wants to bury you is the band. <laughs> 